Hi, and welcome to the Above and Beyond podcast. I'm Joe Ambrose, and I'm the Senior School Improvement Leader for Greenshaw Learning Trust. Today we're interviewing John McAlendon. John is the lead singer and founder of the cult Scottish band Colonel Mustard and the Dijon Five. During our conversation today, we talk about how you deliberately choose fun as a strategic aim, barriers to performance for creative people, managing and leading musicians, and developing others and spotting talent. But John started by telling us how he founded Colonel Mustard and the Dijon Five, how it grew to the cult band that it is today, and his leadership journey in the creative industries to this point. So the band, we've been together for maybe about 12, 13 years now. Uh, we started off weirdly as just a duo, myself and my cousin, uh, after I'd been in a few bands. And uh, Dave Nelson from my previous band actually got uh, picked up by Paolo Natini's band. Uh, so couldn't stand in the way of that, obviously. <laughs> You've got to take your opportunities in life, but... After he left, I thought, I'm going to make this next band like the biggest, most fun. Uh, I want all the senses to be hit. You know, I want people yeah. to enjoy the live show. I want people at festivals to love what we do. And, and it make people feel part of it, to interact as much as possible. But I we just started off, my, myself and my cousin Gary, just writing some, some silly songs, some serious songs as well which have got their place. But with this band, I said to Gary pretty quickly, Let, let's just ditch them or leave them for another project. Let's just do the fun stuff, mainly major chords, but stuff just to give people good fun and, you know, good times. And uh, so that if you're at a gig or a festival, you can just forget your, your troubles and, you know, get involved in a big fun party. Yeah, this, it's definitely sometime that some, something that comes out very strongly is that 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 it's about good music, but it's also about fun, right? Yeah. That that is that that is something that really uh, really comes out, and um, um, I think you, you you see that in in the in in the audience as well. Just that everyone is enjoying themselves. There's yeah. there's lots of I see you wear. I should have really worn yellow as well. There's lots <laughs> of yellow. There's lots of you know when when you look at pictures of you online or when you listen to you, it just it just makes you feel sort of um, sort of really happy. And 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 that's interesting. That that's a deliberate deliberate choice that you guys are like. This is going to be the fun band. Yeah, I think being a being a music fan and a punter, my favourite bits of shows or when you're interacting, when the band are, like, whether it's the Flaming Lips or the Prodigy, you know, it's the bits where you're a part of the show, and I think that's important. People want to, you know, enjoy themselves on a night out, and they need to to feel like the stars as well, so that was really important for the word go. Yeah, I wonder if I can ask you about, so so you and you, a lot of the different leaders we've talked about, and we've talked to in this project have taught uh, uh, have said um, that, that they've had a really clear vision of what they wanted to what they wanted to do from the beginning. So when you get people into your band, because you've got a sort of a, a large number of people in the band, and sometimes they'll change around. Yeah. Do, do, how do you how do you say to you know what what's the sort of induction process that you have to be like this is what Colonel Mustard and the Dijon Five is about? Initially, it was 
although I had a vision for what I wanted the band to be, it was more of a big collective at that time. So there were sometimes people on stage that had never met each other in real life before. And I loved that sort of fun, chaotic side of things. But yeah. over the years, it's just became apparent, you know, who the people that are putting the most time and effort and the people that, you know, are bringing a lot to the table. And over the years, it's just worked out that, you know, gradually we've went for probably like a 20-piece down to maybe a 12-piece. And it's I met Mark, uh, DJ5. I, I wanted to have like a sort of big beat element to it as well as having drums. Yeah. I met him at Team in the Park, invited him. Uh, the guys that are the brass section yeah. or part of the brass section for Sambia Bamba, and they, they played with like, the local brass bands as well. Uh, but I always, I love brass and I wanted that to be a part of it. So probably just poaching the right people uh, <laughs> as I went. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's, no, there's no nice way of putting it. I have just seen good musicians and going, I would love them to be a part of this and inviting them along to play a gig. And over over the course of years, it's just became a sort of starting 11 uh, we maybe one or two or ten substitutes occasionally. <laughs> yeah. do, do, does it ever go wrong then? Because you talked about sometimes there's people on stage that don't even know each other. Like, like what, what, you know, what's the worst case scenario of, of like what, what, of what happens if it, if, if it doesn't go right? I, the, the worst probably gig we ever had or one of them, which was still a good fun gig, but uh, Earth's festival schedule slot kept on getting put back and put back so some of the guys that were drinking were you know having having one too many <laughs> shall we say and one of the girls that had to go and stay with her pal she went so I ended up with a scenario where there was maybe like three or four of the main bands but we had about six spaces to fill so I ended up just getting other mates that were there at the festival <laughs> to fill in and it was it, probably didn't sound the best but we managed to <laughs> to pull it off and i think because of the type of band we are a big sort of collective and that fun sort of side of things we probably get away with stuff like that a wee bit more than maybe other bands would yeah because it's i suppose the chaos is part of it isn't it people yeah. people if they went to see i don't know if they went to see joy division if two of the band was replaced with someone else you might be like mm, that doesn't seem quite right but yeah. for an for a group like yours which is about you know um a, a bit of chaos a bit of fun a bit of um you know um uh, people being part of something and then you know and, and people being on stage who are not in the band that's sort of you know what you expect to see yeah um, I, I wonder if there's um, so, so other sort of creative minds, other sort of creative leaders in music, but in the arts, really. What like what sort of behaviours do they display that makes them really successful? So those creative leaders that you know or that you sort of look up to, what, what sort of things do they do which means that they're really successful? You always need at least one, if not two, if not all of the band with drive, uh, because there's people that are amazing musicians and, you know, some of the best musicians in the world probably just still play in their bedroom because yeah. they, they maybe, maybe partly because they don't particularly want to perform, they're just doing it for the love of it, which is great. But you see some bands that maybe don't hit the heights they could because they've just not got the characters within the band that are going to take it to that next level, that are going to, you know, 
chat doors and you know sometimes it's good obviously to to get a manager on board we've always just managed ourselves but yeah. if you've got someone else that can do that even better because then you don't need to worry about it but you still need that one or two at least in the band that are, you know beyond being good at what they do individually and as part of the band that are prepared to drive it and have got a vision for you know what it could be and yeah 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 it's it, it's interesting that that i wonder if i could ask a little bit more about the management piece yeah. because w- one of the trends that we've sort of um seen again in in lots of uh, sort of uh, groups and organizations is that when things become more and more successful when things scale up what some of the things that um, you know if you're in a very small organization and you and you're a startup so i think a band is probably like a startup when it first starts you're yeah. doing you know you're shifting your equipment about you're booking your own gigs you might be doing a bit of the money like on the door you're yeah. doing everything and as you're growing and growing um those things start getting taken away and bureaucracy starts being put in place so it's a deliberate choice that you manage that, that, that you manage yourself you, you you don't go out and look for a manager because you want to keep it in-house i, I think partly partly that initially uh, you just you're just doing it for yourselves because no one else will but We've we've never found anyone who I think, given the size of our band and how difficult it would be to manage, we've never found anyone where you're like, uh, let's ask them. Do you know? I've always been like, <laughs> I wouldn't want to inflict this on anybody <laughs> else. Yeah. Do you know the. Uh, but having said that, we've got other kind of infrastructure that's you know been beneficial to the band. The biggest one, or the biggest two, being a booking agent who obviously negotiates our fees and stuff like that for gigs. Yeah. But the other one signing to the indie label, button up records. Right. And and they guys do, do you know so much for us. Like, yes. That I suppose they they almost fulfil part of the management role in yes. some ways, and even in terms of advice and experience like our, our uh, labels run by gary john kane who plays bass in the proclaimers so he's got a wealth of experience and jamie our booking agent he's managed and you know been agent for loads of big bands and books for the the pub or and more yeah. uh, in glasgow the venue there uh, so they guys bring a lot to the table we've also we kind of outsource one of our big things is selling t-shirts yes uh, and we, we, we've outsourced that to a company called t-shirt nation because okay. that that became like a full-time job for anyone yes. that took it on in the band because it's great do you know our, our last album we got into the scottish charts for for four weeks and it's been successful but i think when people see us live they just want to be part of the yellow yeah. movement and wear the t-shirts and hoodies so making the decisions along the road have, have been important but we've got so many people that chip in like my wee sister's a fashion designer and yeah she does a lot of the artwork we've got other pals that do video stuff and you know yeah uh, so but yeah actual management to be honest with you if we found the right person i i, I think we might benefit from it yeah. but it, it has to be the right person 
Yeah, so there's there's two things you said there, which resonates with other things that I've that I've sort of experienced before. The first is, so so head teachers um, will will often face so they they've got a sort of dual role like like you do as the leader of a band, which yeah. is they um, have to be in charge of the the basically the, the what what we would understand as the running of the school, which is making sure the teachers teach well, looking after the, the pupils. But there's also a, a corporate side to it. So like you've got a budget like. Schools have millions of pounds to deal with. They have like HR and payroll and stuff to do with. My yeah. advice is always to people get what what's we call blockers and tacklers, which is these people free you up to do the bit that actually you, you're, you're in it for. So for you, you're in it for, you know, uh, leading this band, writing great songs, performing, you know, the, 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 the time that you are going to spend booking gigs and selling T-shirts is going to take you away from continuing to produce this bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, and the second thing I think which resonates with what a lot of people uh, what a lot of people see, and I think a mistake that a lot of people make, is um, hiring people because they need someone, even if it's not the right person. That yeah. always goes wrong. It always oh. goes wrong if you're just trying to fill someone in and it's not the right person. If you get the wrong manager, how much time is that going to going to you know bleed away from your creative process? It's it's yeah. it's really hard. And also that's where a lot of bands hit that sort of lawsuits and you know not being able to use their music because they've made yeah. a bad business decision and yeah to have yeah. to have that sort of creative control and to own our recordings, which we do and. You know, to own the publishing of them, yes, yeah. it's, it's really important. And uh, opportunities come come out. Uh, you know, just doing it yourself. Like we've had one of your songs got used on the Michael Caton Jones movie that stars Ron Perlman. Uh, it's called Asher. It's on Netflix, right? Uh, and that got used at the end of that. And rather than having, you know lawyers or managers negotiating it was myself doing it and yeah you had a wee bit out of your depth when it comes to these things i'm I'm glad i didn't know at the time it was actually ron perlman that i was negotiating with <laughs> yeah uh, i just got told it was the producer uh, yeah. but you just get advice off your friends that are in the industry or know about and uh like dave who joined paolo's band he his advice was don't don't accept the first offer but you know yeah don't don't spend too much time negotiating either can, can i ask you about that so so there's this pressures that that um people in creative uh, in creative industries have which is making something that you're really really proud of and that that that, that chimes with what you know you know a creative project that that you really want to create and something that's commercially successful yeah. so um the sweet spot is when things that you're really pleased with are commercially successful but how do you sort of manage the balance between those those two does it take up much of your thinking it, it can too uh, we're not that prolific at releasing music even though we write a lot individually because there's so many of us that that can be the biggest difficulty getting everyone in the room and do you know all it takes is for one person not to be into a song or not yeah. in the right frame of mind and it, it can scupper you and so you sometimes really need to fight your corner if yeah. you really believe in a song. So yeah. there's probably a good bit of quality control comes from that because you're not going to fight for something that's, you know, maybe not up to the standard of the other uh, songs that you've written. Right. Uh, but having said that, uh, you know, it, it's important that as a band you, you come together and, and try and find a way in that. 
in, in terms of time going into, I suppose, all the other elements, I think because you can do so many things online just now, yeah. apart from my computer being really rubbish at the moment, <laughs> it doesn't actually take up that amount of time. It's right. just, you know, uh, things like that are a lot easier than, you know, the days when you were having to send tapes and, you yeah. know, all, all of that off. So it's, it's probably not as time consuming as you, you maybe think but I think it's important to focus on the important things and for us beyond releasing records first and foremost we're a live band and that's always my priority yeah. uh, and the band's priority to to make sure we are performing as well as we can and giving people those great experiences because you know Having a good record's important, uh, but playing live is, is ten times more important to us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Having said all that, that with this record we have taken a real step up. We got Paul Gallagher who does front of house engineering for the band Churches, and he's amazing and a guy that we can trust that's able to deal with, you know, quite difficult personalities at times as you get yes. in all walks of life, but in bands. Because you've maybe not got the same restraints as your your normal nine to five day job, you know, yeah. it can be a slightly different sort of place to navigate. Yeah, uh, and and he done that extremely well, and you know, just naturally a great producer. And but I think it is always important with everything you do to to step it up to the next level, whether that's making videos putting on a live performance or, or making records. And yeah. I suppose that, you know, you can put that into any other business model. You, you want to improve things as you go. Yeah. Can, can, so so you, you said something quite interesting there, which is there's a sort of internal quality assurance process when you write songs mm-hmm. because you just trust – if you build the right team around you, as in the right band around you or yeah. the right board or whatever – the decision you put forward, you're saying that I trust your, I trust what you you think, and so the quality assurance process is: if everyone thinks this is good, this is good. Yeah. But if if there's a if half the people think it's not good and half the people think it's good, it quality assures its it, itself. Yeah. So, so what about like live performances? Like, do you? I mean, this is going to sound mad, but do you do? You know, you obviously don't do like performance management, or maybe you do, but like what? what if someone has done a really good bit part of a live performance or someone hasn't done a, a live performance that's particularly good, what, you know, is there a mechanism in there? Do they know themselves? Do you have to tell them? Yeah, I think like, the pitfall of the music industry is alcohol, usually. That's, that's what makes what could be a good performance a bad one. So right. I suppose over the years, you know, we've, we've learned that the hard way. Yeah. Uh, just you know, for for me, I prefer to do gigs so completely sober now. Yeah. Two drinks maximum, which we've always said as a band, the the right way to do things. But when you're at festivals, some sometimes people you know have yeah. more than that. So normally it's after where we've had a bad performance or someone's had a bad performance, and we do we'll we'll have a band meeting and yeah. Uh, I'm not immune to that either, you know. But I'm I'm my own worst critic, as I, yeah. I suppose most of us are. But uh, yeah, but it's about particularly for your big gigs and your big festivals, making sure 
as much as you can that that doesn't happen that yeah. you know people are turning up and they're focused and yeah it's okay you know a couple of drinks is okay uh, for most of the guys anyway not not everyone drinks in the band yeah. but it's about not you know going down that that sort of road too much but people are excited when when you're waiting around all day yeah. that's it just creeps in right away because you've done your sound check at 12 you're yeah. not on to seven so yes. you've got you know six seven hours just to sit about and have a bit of food check out some other bands but people start getting at your feet and <laughs> yeah. it's the same pitfalls for every band probably but yeah. uh, it, it's definitely one that we've had to navigate and still do yeah that, that that's interesting that that's one of the things and and if you have band meetings well generally people say you know either i had too many drinks or it, it's it's generally a it's it, you said that that's the big downfall it's not really a technical issue it's more no. of a sobriety issue potentially yeah right? Yeah. Pe- pe- people always know, uh, and we we know how good we can be. Uh, at the weekend there, we played an amazing gig at, at Playground Festival at Rookin Glen Park, and yeah. that was led to a hometown in Glasgow. You know, good, well over a couple of thousand people there, and that was one where the performance and everyone's playing just seemed to step up a notch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose it's a bit like I always do the football analogies when it comes to to bands and yeah for a home a home gig like that you need to really step up your game yes you don't want people going home going oh colonel mustard weren't that good today or you know people have to be going home saying you're one of the bands of the festival and that was the feedback we got from last weekend which was was great yeah fantastic i i wonder if i can ask a little bit about um about sort of the routines, things like band practice, things like routines around gigs. Do you have many routines? Do you have a set time when you have a band practice? When you have a band practice, do you have a set thing, uh, list of things that you go through? Or is it sort of more organic? How do you approach it? No, when when we've got a big gig coming up, uh, we always rehearse at least once a week. But yeah. when you're first starting out, you need to be rehearsing two or three times a week. Like, uh, the, the bands I was in when I was younger, which were good bands, but we're never going to make it and we're never going to... But they're the bands you cut your teeth in and yeah. become good and become good at... Like, for me, probably took me about 10 years to be a, a, a good frontman. Yeah. Um, people just think I've got this sort of confidence and self-belief, and I suppose some of that comes from age, but... It's because that work I put in as a young, shy teenager and then in my 20s and, you know, and eventually that comes if you love what you you do enough. And I see it with young acts just now where you go, they're going to be phenomenal in, you know, three, four years' time. And uh, you're always proving right with with the ones that stick at it. Uh, But, yeah, when, when we're going to do a big gig at least once a week, if not twice, uh and we go in and we work on a, a set. So what what songs you're playing? You will play that at least twice, and then the songs that where there's mistakes or things aren't quite clicking or the sounds, you know, there's something yeah. up. You just work on them until until they're good. But over the years, we've we've got quicker and better at that process, and we we don't need to spend as much time on it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, when you're first starting out, they're, they're the things that you really need to put the time and effort into. 
and lot lots of live gigging as well, even if it goes wrong. I imagine in your in your early career, right? Yeah, totally. And live gigging, even like it's been weird because of COVID. It's been stop start in some ways for us. So yeah. normally by midsummer, we we could just just the muscle memory. We yeah. we can turn up and play, and you're always trying to you know, look for new ways to entertain people though as a front man and yeah. pick up on stuff in the crowd. But in terms of the actual music, by the time ha- like, you know, you're midway through summer, because you're playing every weekend, that practice is there. You're, you know, in I suppose again <laughs> football analogy, it's yeah. like I always say like, like by that point you're match fit. We're yeah. match fit, we're good to go and I so I suppose playing live as much as possible uh, is a good way to go about that. Yeah, th- th- there's a, there's a there's a parallel as well, and we discussed this when we when we talked before. There's, I think there is a parallel between. So there's going to be a, a lots of school leaders who are watching this. There's a parallel between the performance of a band and some of the things you've said, and the performance of a teacher. So um, when you train to be a teacher, um, the uh, you will do loads of stuff with your colleagues, like learning how to you know get people to line into the room or how you explain a certain thing. But you only really know how to do it once you're in front of the class, right? Once you're in front of thirty kids and you're explaining how to do it. And I think the second the second bit of that is there's a feedback element. There's a physical feedback element in being in front of whether it's you know 10,000 people enjoying your music or 30 people who are learning how to do simultaneous equations there's a, there's a similarity there um, yeah. i don't know if yeah i don't know if if that feels right what sort of the the analogy i've drawn there i know that definitely and we well we've got a couple of teachers in the band as well oh really uh, i <laughs> cool. so uh, like roddy who he he does he's a percussion player plays congas yeah. but he does like samba drumming workshops and oh, you know so we've got we've got kind of leaders yeah. like that that have got that ability that you know have got an understanding of of that of exactly what what you said there yeah that that's i think that's really interesting i wonder if i could ask you um about um sort of leadership advice so one of the themes of this of this of the above and beyond project is around are there any things so that already there's been significant number of things that you talked about which other leaders can take on but is there any leadership advice that you think that every leader should know things that you've learned from your time leading bands yeah i suppose that leading bands and just life in general you've just got to find your own style uh like you you look at maybe how other people are and you, you maybe aspire to that, but ultimately you you're you, you've got your own personality and you you just need to try and let that shine as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose that that's how I've went about things. If you need to have difficult conversations, have them early because it, it nips things in the bud quicker yeah. if you're able to do that because sometimes things can fester if you're not open and, and honest yeah. with, you know. Uh, I, I suppose that, that they're, they're the main things yeah. uh, for, that, from my point of view. It, it's so interesting, John. Yesterday I was at a meeting of, there's probably <coughs> 30 head teachers there and there's a new head teacher and he said, has anyone got any advice for my first year? And one of the most experienced head teachers we've got there said, you've got to be you've got to authentically be yourself yeah. um and it sounds like a twee bit of advice that 
but it's not. It's like it's like the strengths that you've got just just embody those and be those because if people can tell if you're trying to pretend to be something else. Yeah. You know, if you if you come out and I'm trying to think of the band that's probably the opposite sort of energy style to you, maybe like editors, right? So yeah. if you if you came out and tried to be like you know, the, like the lead singer from Editors, he stands very still. He's very, is very sort of a, a, a monotone, and, but 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 very good in his own way. If you tried to be like him, it, it just wouldn't work, would it? Definitely, definitely not. No, it, it would just, it would just, it would just sound absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it would, it would. I mean, also having having seen you guys quite a few times, like having one solitary figure standing completely still in a grey suit and all this yeah. yellow, um, <laughs> sort of colourful stuff going on in the background, it would, uh, it would, uh, you know, it would be a bit jarring. Yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got one one final question, John, actually, which would be really useful. Um, yeah about developing other musicians and other band leaders. Um, yeah. So I wonder if you've got an approach to that, if there are very green or very new musicians here in your band, what, what, how, what do you do to develop them? What do you do to, um, to, to make them sort of into people who might go on and create other great bands? I think just try and encourage people's confidence. And I think that's the biggest thing with musicians. And I think, I think with everybody, uh, unless you're a psychopath, you know, we've all got anxiety, every single human being, uh, on different levels. But if you've got someone that's encouraging you to become more confident and take risks as well. Uh, like when we were over in Korea, uh, there was loads of bands jamming at this like all night nightclub, and it was amazing. It was like folk from like. Madagascar to China, you know, France to the USA, and we we were the Scottish band there, and uh, some of the guys were, you know, a wee bit shy to to step in and jam with these guys, but it's like, no, you're good enough. Yeah, you can hold your own. And uh, Kirsten, our trumpet player, who's who, funnily enough is a teacher, uh, she stepped in and and ended up. You know, totally jamming along with and just having this amazing, unique experience as a musician. And yeah. I think taking your opportunities is a massive thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if you got offered something and you know, it's, you're going to make mistakes along the way. But the things I regret most are the things we've said no to. Yes. Like those gigs we've said no to, where you're like, I, I suppose we're we're not money orientated so yeah. uh, there's gigs where we've maybe went oh no because it's not enough money and that actually you're like no that would have been an amazing experience but I suppose with the band being a democracy you've got to you've, you've got to have that and again but you need to fight for the big ones if you, you truly want to do something you need to make it known and just go for it because it is the things you don't do that you regret yeah yeah I think that's I think that's good advice encouraging people to just yeah you're gonna you're not gonna th- if, if, the worst thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna you know you're gonna take a risk and it's gonna go badly like yeah. that's uh, and that's and also no problem, not, is it? noticing the skills and people like there's a amazing young singer Luke Lavolpe who uh, he's he's going to be big I think at, at some point but I, I bumped into him at the weekend and I just hear his voice almost going down a big band route. Right. And it's the same to young musicians. I'll I'll just be honest with them and go, like, do you know you're brilliant? Have you have you ever thought about this? And funnily enough, he's like, 
I was going to get brass in for the next <laughs> record, but just sort of, I suppose that's one of my talents, seeing, seeing the potential in people and what, what they could potentially do and uh, trying to encourage that as much as possible. Mm-hmm.